On today's show, Houston Rockets mid-season grades. Alperin Shingun still with a lot of room to grow. Ime Odoka, pros and cons so far of the new Rockets head coach, plus the veteran impact from Fred VanVleet, Dylan Brooks, Uncle Jeff, and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Here comes Tarno! 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including... YouTube now today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everyday and making the show part of your day every single day. Joining us now for part one of our Houston Rockets midseason review is none other than your weekly co-host, the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bijani, who can track down on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. And we had so much that we wanted to talk about and discuss with this Houston Rockets team right around just under the midway point of this season at 40 games played. We decided we were going to split this into a part one and part two. So on today's episode, we're going to be focusing on Alperin Shingun, the coaching staff, and Ime Udoka so far, as well as the impact of the veteran players. And then next week, we're going to get into Jalen Green and some of the concerns with his play through this point in the season, Jabari and Tari, as well as Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore and how their rookie seasons are coming along. So today, for part one, we've got to start with the big man in the middle here, Ali Khan, Alperin Shingun, who has really impressed this season. He's playing at, you know, basically an all-star caliber level, but I still think that there are areas in his game that can, that, that need to be improved on, that can be improved upon. And it feels weird. It feels almost kind of nitpicky when you want to look at the best player on the team and say, oh, well, he needs to get better at this, or he needs to, you know, change this or adapt here. But that's kind of also, it comes with the territory of being the best player on a team. So you start to look at some of the little areas of his game that he can improve on to then get to an even higher level than he's already at. Yeah. You know, when we're looking at kind of where we are in the hierarchy, we talk about hierarchy a lot. That's a word we used, at least in our shows together, Jackson, during the offseason. And right now, the Rockets hierarchy starts with Alperin Shangun up top. And I think that's very obvious. And because that has become obvious and he has shown to be kind of this upper echelon player, all-star, potentially even higher than that, you know, we, we we will have to look at him in that way and see what can he do to continue to take the next step. Um, and so I guess I want to start off with one positive, though, because we came into the season, though, Jackson, worrying about his defense. And can he be somebody who's coachable, but also um, who can compete and be a, a, a backbone style player? 
and he has been, and his teammates have talked about him, how he is that kind of guy for their team. And one side that really, really um, I'm happy about when it comes to LP is that he's averaging about 3.3 fouls in uh, 32 minutes per game this season. He averaged the same amount of fouls over oh, like 24 minutes in his first two seasons combined. So he's playing eight plus more minutes. He's committing the same amount of fouls. So he's fouling less, right? And he's staying on the floor long enough, making an impact. And you're just seeing when he's on the floor, how much better the Rockets play, not just offensively, which he always brings, but defensively as well. And so that's a credit to him to, you know, be impactful, not just on one end, but both ends. Yeah, look, I mean, I think we have squashed any and all. I think that not to say that there aren't still occasionally some defensive concerns, some moments where you can see he's still trying to figure things out on the defensive end. Ime um, Odoka has done a great job putting him in a position to be successful this season, demanding the most out of him on that end of the basketball. And it's also helping that he has teammates now that can help elevate him as a defender. Tim Bontemps uh, with ESPN did a fantastic Alperin Shingun article uh, you know, Friday morning that you've got to go check out if you haven't yet. Uh, and in that article, there's some quotes from Fred Van Vliet from Dylan Brooks talking about Albert and this one from Fred Van Vliet really stands out where uh, I apologize. This one's from uh, a quote from Dylan Brooks that really stands out uh, where he said, his offense, Shingun's offense, is always there every single night. His defense is here and there, and we need him every single night. He's our center. He is our backbone to our defense. There's and the, the word. He figures that out. The more he'll get better and better. And I do think that that has been an adjustment for Alper and Shingun to understand, hey, right, he knows how, how he can impact a game offensively. But it's his yeah. understanding and his continued growth and development this year of seeing, hey, he can make plays on the defensive end of the basketball, right? If he steps up to the plate and if he is that big man in the middle that they need him to be from a communication perspective, from a hustle and effort perspective, rebounding at an elite level, all those things, all those little things that they need him to be in the middle as the starting center, this team is going to have a lot of success. You know, um, now that we're talking about kind of areas of improvement, right? What I'd like to see the second half of the season. Um, Jackson, one area that I want to see LP improve is as a passer. And people listening, like, what do you mean passer, right? I think I think his assist numbers can go up. Now, albeit a lot of that has to do with sometimes a lack of shooting or the low shooting percentages his teammates may have whenever um, he's on the floor with them and they're writing or, some specific or, actions. Or, or the lack of creativity at times when he has the ball on the low block. We're, we're going to get into that with some of the coaching here in a minute. Um, but I, I do think that there are ways for him to get better as a passer, right? It's not just on him. And then I want to preface that because I don't want people thinking, oh, he's just, it's not like he's just blaming LP. No, it's not just LP. It's We'll get into that uh, later on. But I do think LP has shown flashes in the past and can be more consistent kind of looking at themes uh, looking at things from the whole the whole depth of what where he's at right when he's at the nail and coach Ime Yudoka has talked about this it is much harder to double team him and you have to take advantage of that i think a great example of this and people don't make the comparisons between them i like this comparison just from in terms of from an operational perspective is Joel Embiid you look at Joel Embiid's assist numbers for the last few years, especially this season, and where he's operating from. He's picked his spots where he likes. Alpi's still trying to figure out where he likes. He's actually having a lot more high post attempts and free throw line attempts than he is low block attempts um, over the last several weeks. And I think if that's the case and the coaching staff wants to go in that angle, Alpi has to do a better job 
of reading the whole floor, knowing where the, where the double team is coming from, if it does come, and making the right pass or uh, making the pass out to the proper shooter. Um, and, and that obviously coaching helps with that. But that's something I want to see LP continue to get better at. Most of his assists are going to Fred Van Fleet and Jabari Smith Jr. And that's by design. That's also where LP, with his ability to make those creative passes and have that high IQ, can make maybe some freedom decisions and do things that we know he can do. So that's just one area that I want to see him get better at. Um, and and I, I do think he can. Maybe not in the second half of the season per se, but maybe he'll show continue, more consistent flashes on that and, 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 and show more growth going into next season. I definitely want to see him continue to improve and get even better as a defender because we're at a place now where we understand he can be the the man in the middle, the anchor to a top five, top three defense uh, with the right pieces around him, with the right effort on display on a nightly basis, which is something this Rockets team needs to get back to is putting out the requisite effort that they need to be a top tier defense in the association. But if I had to pick one area that I really want to see him improve upon, uh, at least during this back half of the season, it has to be uh, the three-point shooting, not necessarily just becoming a... I mean, we need him to become a better three-point shooter. It's The the book is kind of out on Al P now at this point where... Yeah. Um, defenses understand that they can sag off of him completely, and you're, you're not going to negate him offensively. He's still going to find a way to be effective, but it does limit what he and what his teammates can do. We saw it in the 76ers game where Joel Embiid was just playing free safety with Alper and Shingun for much of the game that he was on the floor because he didn't have to come out to the three-point line. They had to put him in pick-and-roll and force him to defend uh, you know, the ball handler in those pick-and-roll actions. But if you just have Alpe, you know, isolating out at the perimeter the book is out on kind of at this point. So we need to figure out, you know, can he become a better shooter? Can he get to a place where he is a reliable, consistent three-point threat? Not that it ever has to be a big part of his game, but just enough to keep defenses honest. And here's my biggest gripe with LP this entire season has been, for the love of God, please stop the pump faking at the three-point line. Just if you catch the ball, you're either going to shoot it or you make a move. But like the the little like his joystick is stuck and he's like pump faking like two, three, four times on one possession. That's not faking anybody out. It's not helping anything. It's just slowing down the offensive possession. Those those possessions are a little bit maddening. But uh, I mean, he's good. He's good at attacking the the big whenever they step up. And maybe he's trying to bait that. Like when he, he has a pump pick, he's trying to see I where know, is that lead just... for that defender going. I agree. I agree, Jackson. He should take more. In fact, in his last five games, he's shooting one of eight from three. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's pump faking. And the ones he is taking, they're not in rhythm like he should be. Yeah. And so, I, I so think the pump agree, he's so good at attacking rhythm. downhill. Yeah, no, I agree. He, he's so good at attacking downhill. And that pump fake kind of gets him into a rhythm to do so. But 100%, he needs to be able to take more and make more as well. Coming up, we shift the conversation over to the Houston Rockets coaching staff, Ime Udoka, pros and cons of Ime Udoka through his first half season as the Houston Rockets head coach. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed, guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Number one on our list, we've got Gigi Jackson. Memphis needs shot creation, and Gigi can do it. He has shown flashes, and he should be someone managers can look to grab to see how Memphis deploys. Look, Memphis is decimated by injuries currently, and Gigi Jackson just had the game of his career. So he's absolutely a guy that you want to take a look at. Next on the list, Mason Plumley, new starter for at least four weeks for the Clippers. Plumley can be a serviceable center for your fantasy team. Well, we wait to see if, or not, 
see. But when Vika Zubats ultimately gets back to the Clippers lineup. So G.G. Jackson, Mason Plumley, a couple names you want to keep on the lookout for. Now, Josh Lloyd from Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit, same as with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. And Ali Khan, uh, it's been a minute since we've done one of these episodes where we hand out grades. We didn't do that in the first segment for Alper and Shingu. <laughs> we completely, like, we just blew straight past the stop sign. We were just talking about, you know, his game and all this and the improvements. And But, um... We've got to hand out our letter grades for Alper and Shingun. And if you're watching this episode, if you're listening, uh, go into the YouTube comments. I'll, I'll put like a little template down there or something. You can give us your letter grades for each category, each player that we're talking about. Um, and let us know your thoughts on where these guys are at about halfway through the season. But Ali Khan, I'll let you go first. If you had to give a letter grade, assign a letter grade to Alper and Shingun through the halfway point of the season, what would you give them? It's either a B plus or an A minus. Um, I'm not free-handing A-pluses. In fact, I will say this over the course of this exercise that we do where we're giving grades, I probably won't be giving anybody an A-plus. Um, but I would say that B-plus, A-minus, and I'm probably leaning towards more of a B-plus, just the fact that LP has shown himself. Actually, you know what? I'll change that back. I'm leaning towards A-minus. I'm going to A-minus. See, it's like a half and half. I, I, I do think that LP has shown himself to be you know, the lead of that hierarchy for this Rockets team. He has shown himself to become an all-star. He has shown himself to be somebody who can be a fulcrum and a, a main piece of, of this offense and just a team overall in terms of a roster construction. Um, I think they should lean into him more. And I hope as they continue to lean into him more that he can become a lot more consistent, um, especially on the road, um, defensively, and all those different things. So um, the Rockets are having or the Rockets had their first practice of 2024 on Friday. And I think that's really, really important. It kind of explains a lot um, from this last uh, few few games on this road trip. Now, the fact that they're having a chance to settle down, kind of catch up, discuss defensive principles. You know, this could be a start or another, another start for LP to to win and also, you know, win, but also showcase how well he's been playing at the same time. Look, they haven't practiced since like December. Like that's, that's how tough this schedule has been for them. And we talked about this at one point earlier this season, where this is a team that needs practice time, that mm -hmm. they, they are young. They need these concepts drilled into them repeatedly. And when you go in, in such an extended period without the practice reps, it's very different. Yeah. It's, it, you know, veteran teams can sit there and you can go through a shoot around or a walkthrough or whatever and understand the principles and, and, you know, the personnel assignments and stuff, game, plan assignments for for a specific matchup but for younger teams they really need the practice time to actually drill these concepts and really walk through it because they're so young and so 
for the Rockets, this is going to be some valuable time for them to hopefully get back to what made them such a successful team earlier this season. Um, for LP, I'm going to go A-. minus. I wasn't even going to waffle about on it like you did. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that for a guy that's playing it at a borderline, you know, or not even borderline, he's playing at an all-star caliber level. Um, he's answered the call defensively. There's still plenty of room for him to improve his game. There's still plenty of growth for him to make, uh, you know, throughout the rest of this season. But I think by far he's been the Rockets' best player. Uh, so he might be the only A-level grade that I hand out, um, but we'll see as we navigate the rest wow. of this episode and, and the you know our part two coming up next week. But let's go ahead and shift gears here to uh, the coaching discussion here because I think there was a lot, I think there's still, not even was, there is a lot of pressure on this Rockets coaching staff uh, because they're kind of, you know, they, they've got two kind of directives, right? Is they've got, you know, Ime has to be able to develop the young guys that he has in his care, right? And then he's also tasked with winning basketball games. And I think right now throughout the season, we're seeing those two uh, kind of directives come, you know, almost kind of uh, become in direct opposition with one another because there's moments where you see, you know, young guys struggling, whether it's whether it's Jalen, whether it's a men or the fact that Cam wasn't getting minutes early on. Right. The decisions that Ime has to make as the head coach as to whether he's going to kind of let these young guys get those developmental reps and struggle through or, or try to fight their way out of some of their struggles versus, you know, making the best possible decisions to try and win basketball games. Um, and. I think as it stands, we've seen Ime, you know, multiple times go with, you know, benching certain guys, whether it's benching Jalen or even benching LP or certain lineup decisions or whatever, that he's going for the best possible way to win a basketball game. But then you also see certain stretches of games where he makes it a priority to try and like get Jalen involved, like early on in the first quarter, right? Where, where all the offense is running through Jalen because he's trying to get him going early in a game before they, they deviate and go away from him to go back to what they know works with like Fred Van Vliet, Alper and Shingun two man game. So I'm kind of, I don't know. It, it's been an interesting ride so far with Ime. I think there's been a lot of good. Um, he's clearly gotten this team an identity. Um, there's accountability now. He's, the players are completely bought into the message that he's preaching. But at the same time, there's still some question marks that I have about how he handles certain like in-game adjustments. Um, some of his uh, game plans on a, you know, with certain matchups have been a little interesting. Um, but yeah, I'll, sorry. I, I'll let you, I'll let you share some thoughts now on, on Udoka. I, I'm at a solid B with Ime. Okay. And B for the matter that there is a there's structure in place. Now I will tell you, you mentioned that the Rockets have an identity I think you can make the argument the Rockets have an identity where it's sorry they have a, they, have a, they have a defensive identity they do, they do not have an offensive identity. Let me yeah let me I was gonna that say bit. that and I, I think overall overall I guess the structure is hey we're gonna play good defense and we're gonna let our offense come because of our defense yeah. and then we're gonna play offense to set up our defense so everything is predicated on defense because the Rockets lead the NBA in the number of half court defensive possessions per game and that's not by accident that's by design. Because when you're a young team and you're going to play the way the Rockets do defensively, you have to be set. The Rockets struggle in transition and in the fast break. So what do you do? Play as much half-court defense as you possibly can. But what that also does is when you're playing on offense, if the people you have that response, that given that responsibility to, to create, to design, to you know, 
facilitate offense if they're not if they're struggling and the defense is not playing on them the way you would hope to play and if there's not anybody else stepping up then you're seeing what we saw um over these last nine games where the rockets averaged only 109 points per game after averaging the previous nine games 122 points per game so it's it's gone from playing hot shooting well to people are not playing well together so then it, it kind of puts more of a a pressure right on this defense to be able to create offense. So I, I think right now, until the Rockets have an identity, I cannot give Ime an A, A minus or whatever. I, I'm saying B just because defensively they're playing well. They're playing to the their their personal strengths, right? Al P's more up top. He's more involved with his hands at the perimeter. They're they're actually instituting a little more trap. When you go back and watch the Celtics game. They tried a brand new defense that haven't really tried out for most of the season. I think this upcoming recent search of practices will allow them uh, to kind of do that more. And what we're seeing is for perimeter players, they're kind of zoning in or pressuring. You're seeing a little bit of more of a um, layered defensive approach by Ime Udoka. So I'm saying B now, but I, I'm going back to what I said before the season and when we talk about Ime Udoka. I'm gonna, I want to see what happens after the All-Star break. He's you can tell that he's trying to establish a structure, right? And he has some sort of a structure in place. How does that play when he adds layers to that structure? And we're starting to see those layers and it hasn't been pretty because it hasn't been executed properly and effort has to be involved. But what happens once those layers are actually put in place and they're executed? And, and that's what I'm curious to see going into the second half. I, I'm sitting at a solid B minus for Ime. It's tough to go like I don't want to go lower than that, and I feel even bad saying a B minus because it's been such a godsend having a quality NBA level head coach uh, running the show here in Houston. But at the same time, I, I, it, he's left a little bit to be desired. I think it, in certain areas, especially like you said, like we kind of highlighted the the there isn't really an offensive identity. The offensive identity is basically just. A lot of, you know, individual guys, guys are still going to kind of take, I don't want to say it's, it's not nearly as bad as like the, your turn, my turn with Steven Silas and like Jalen, Kevin taking turns to cook. Um, there's still very clearly an offensive hierarchy. They've still got guys that they go to, um, having Fred Van Vliet in place helps a ton, but there's still very much a level of like, I don't know, uncertainty at times in what they can go to offensively. And I think a big part of that is you've you've identified and, and they've gone to repeatedly Alperin Shingun is their best offensive piece. But I feel like there hasn't been enough put in necessarily around Alperin Shingun or like you said, right, you'd like to see them go to him even more, right, use him even more offensively. I feel like there's not enough around Al P and maybe that's just because of roster constructions. There's not enough shooting around him or maybe Ime just hasn't gotten to a place where he feels comfortable like rolling out you know, complicated sets or ways to open guys up, but it really feels like they kind of regressed and got back to a place where for a little while there, it felt like there was some, you know, nice little, like some off ball screens, some movement, some things happening whenever Alper and Shingun got the ball, uh, some cutting, things like that. I feel like they've fallen back into this, this holding pattern of Al P gets the ball, especially on the low block. It's, you know, when he's facing up, everybody's got to stay spaced out, right? It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like almost like a one, four flat at times when Al P has the ball at the nail, yeah. but yeah. Um, so you don't well, you don't exactly want movement or cutting because then that's going to drag a defender into the paint when he's trying to make his move. But when he's on the low block, I feel like guys are just standing. I feel like nobody's cutting. I feel like nobody's setting off ball screens. 
And it's just, it, it all becomes, okay, Alpi's got to make something happen. He's got to draw a second defender. And maybe that's by design. Maybe that is by design. But I feel like it could be beneficial to have a little bit more of something going on when Alper and Shingu does have the ball in his hands, especially there on the low block. So that's something that leaves a little bit to be desired for me. Uh, but again, I settle in at a, at a solid B minus. I think that he's given this team uh, accountability, structure. He's made them competitive. Uh, some of the in-game decision-making, some of the lineup decisions um, have been a little peculiar, to say the least. There's certain moments where you're like, eh, what are you doing, Ime? Uh, but every coach has those. So you live with the good. Or you take you take the good. You live with some of the bad. Uh, and you hope that he continues to improve as the season moves on, just like the rest of the roster you hope improves as the season moves on. But speaking about the rest of the roster, we got to talk about some of the veterans on this Rockets team. Uh, the veterans who have helped uplift this Rockets roster. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, their contributions to this team, what each one of them have meant to this Rockets squad this season. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You just pick more than or less than a two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's that simple. Prize picks is so easy to play. You can make your picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. They've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, which is what makes prize picks the number one DFS app on the market. And here's a really cool thing. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. So if you've been thinking about getting into DFS, you've got to check out PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and promo code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Bucks, prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's talk about some veterans here, Ali Khan, specifically Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, and Uncle Jeff himself. Uh, the kind of the names that the Rockets brought in to help Ime Udoka establish this new culture that he wanted here in Houston. Uh, and you know what? I'm actually going to lead with uh, a different name. We're, let's go Jeff Green first here. I want to talk Jeff Green first. And the okay. reason I want to talk All Jeff right. Green first is because I was dead wrong on what his level and amount of his contributions would be to this Rockets team. I thought he was going to be, you know, the end of the bench vet, you know, provide some sage wisdom to the young guys, kind of just be, you know, he was getting a payday to come to Houston and help, you know, be an extension of the coaching staff, kind of you know, a $9 million coach on the bench, if you will. I didn't realize that, I, and I thought he was going to play a little bit, right, situationally when the Rocket, I thought he was going to be the third string center behind Jock Landale, like all this, right? Jeff Green has completely like far surpassed any level of expectations that I had for him. He still has a lot left in the tank to give to this team. We see it on a nightly basis. Um, and his presence has been invaluable, right? He has a calming influence when he's on At least 20 minutes a game. Yeah. He's, he's their He's their de facto backup big man. Like he, he play whether he's playing backup five or he sometimes rolls him out there with like those jumbo supersize lineups where he's got like Jeff at the four and then like one of Tari or Jabari at the three, like, Jeff has been such an important part 
of this team. It's it's very clearly Tari has been the best player off the bench when he's come off the bench, but I think Jeff Green might be the most important piece off the bench, if that makes sense. Like there's certain things that this team cannot do when Jeff Green isn't out there. You know, they, they match his minutes with Jalen Green's minutes off the bench. So I find that very fascinating. I, I think that goes for multiple reasons. One is to have a spacer. So Jalen likes to, Jalen's whole thing is he likes to drive. He wants to attack. So you want to have as much space on that initial drive as possible. And, and that's a big thing for Jalen. Um, but here's the interesting about Jeff. He's shooting a career best percentage from the field at, at, Age, what is he, 37? He's doing a career best 53.5% from the field. Um, per 36 minutes, he's averaging almost five free throw attempts per game. I mentioned that stat because it goes hand in hand with that field goal percentage. He is driving, he is attacking closeouts. When he sets a screen, he rolls hard. He's not just waiting for that short pocket pass, he's not waiting to roll like once he gets to pass. He's rolling hard as a backup big should, um, which, by the way, plays into my theory that they should get a backup big um, who can be a vertical threat. But anyways, threat. back to Jeff, you know, he he's doing a great job at finishing around the rim and giving the Rockets that other presence they need off that second unit, right? You have Tari, who's, who's going to attack in transition. You have Jeff, who's playing well. You have Aaron Holiday, who has been a little more cold recently, but can be that spot-up shooter, but also dribble the ball. A man who gets to the paint, he can pass it out. So you have guys who are hitting the paint, and Jeff is one of them, and he's been able to do a lot of good things. And his turnover turnovers are low, and that's a, another big thing uh, for me why he deserves more, or he's been deserving of that playing time. You know, for me, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Jeff relative to expectations. Um, I'll give him a solid B plus for for where he's at for what he's done for this team. Um, I do think that there's. And this is this is not necessarily an issue with Jeff. It's more just an issue with sometimes that second unit where there's too many guys out there who are more like these connective tissue pieces offensively than like true play finishers. Um, Jeff has been great attacking off the catch, but there's also a lot of moments where, you know, in that second unit with Amin or with Jalen or whoever or even Jay Sean Tate, right, they will get the drive and kick game going. And then there's so many moments where they kick out for an open three pointer and like nobody's willing to take the open three because mm -hmm. like Jeff Green will catch the ball and he'll be wide open, but he hesitates and he doesn't want to take that open yeah. three because he's not a great three point shooter. So um, I think that's one side, one unfortunate side effect of, you know, OK, well, you've got Jeff Green, he's your backup small ball five, but he doesn't give you like true five out spacing in the sense of like he's not going to knock down those open open threes when he's given them within the flow yeah. of the offense and that leads to some disjointed offense at times but they make it work they do the best with the, what they've got and i think his his leadership what he brings the intangibles that he brings uh again that calming element of his game has been invaluable especially to that second unit uh what would you give jeff i give him a b, b. Um, okay but you know as we talk about some of these vets i'm kind of i'm going to keep you one up the ladder and I actually want to talk about Dylan Brooks next. Okay, so we'll save for, I think, for last. All right, Dylan next. I, I think Dylan, to me, has arguably been the most important player on this team. And I say that because defensively, when he plays and he's on the floor, night and day when he's off the floor and he missed the last three weeks. Yeah. I mean, he's just been so paramount. And if he does not make an all-defensive team this year for what he's been doing and how well he's been playing, I think that'd be that'd, that'd be awful. So um, for me, Dylan Dylan's been fantastic. I actually want to give him an A minus.
minus for my grade. Um, he's shooting a career best forty percent from three. I'm going. I'm going A minus okay. as well. I, I said I was going to be a little bit, you know, maybe conservative with handing out the letter A, you know, the the letter grades. But I, 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 right when I said that, I was thinking, no, we're talking about Dylan later in this episode. He's getting an A minus as well. So, yeah, dude, like you know, he's also one of their best drivers on this team, he, which I the, personally the, did not say that. I, I did not think that going into the season that he would end up being one of their most. Or not most, but their best drivers. And he takes a good amount of his shots at the rim now. His shot profile, sometimes he'll take shots and he'll take heat checks, which I knew was always going to be a part of the Dylan Brooks experience. However, Dylan Brooks, though, in transition will drive and forcibly finish shielding himself away from contact. He'll attack closeouts and do it. He'll walk into his threes in rhythm. Like he's taking shots that I want him to take if I'm the Rockets. His, right? his and shot he's profile just, has, he's has playing improved his role. like tenfold yeah. from where it was when he was with the Grizzlies. He's eliminated like the poor, you know, the ill-advised like long twos from his game. His shot profile is basically shots directly at the rim, right? Driving uh, off the catch, uh, you know, attacking closeouts, uh, drawing fouls at the rim, or finishing through contact right at the rim. He's like a he's like a fullback the way that he drives, right? He just tucks the ball under his arms, and it's not always pretty. You know, but he's he's got the big broad shoulders and he'll like he'll sweep through the lane and then get that like little like hook shot off the glass, whatever. Um he has you know, the little he has the little baby hook that he gets to yeah. when Ime has him on a mismatch where he posts him up at the rim. Ime likes posting him up. Yeah. Ime really loves posting him up, especially when he has a small. He's a big mismatch opportunity and, for them. And and out of some of those situations, we've seen him go to like maybe like the turnaround jumper if he can't quite play bully ball and get all the way to the cup. But he doesn't he I I have zero issue with like 90% of the shots that Dylan Brooks takes. Like you said, like there's the occasional like heat check from three or maybe like the rush three-pointer in transition where maybe they could have gotten like a slightly better look. But I'd argue that Dylan Brooks should actually be shooting the ball more from three than he currently is. That's going to be my kind of argument with him is he's not shooting on enough volume. And a big part of that is the Rockets as a team are not shooting enough threes. So how do you do that more? You just need to take the shots that you're given. There's too many times where they pass up good looks within the flow of the offense. And Dylan, when he's shooting... In games where Dylan has shot six or more times from three-point land this season, he's shooting 43.5%. So I need Dylan Brooks to shoot more threes. Now, that could, that number could come crashing back down. Maybe he regresses to the mean a little bit more you know, as the season progresses. But I do think that Dylan is showcased enough to where you feel confident in him taking those shots. And again, I would say that he's been arguably the Rockets' second-best player this season behind Alper and Shingun. You know, he, he has been... Catalyst and a lot of the defensive coverages they've been doing, switching, you know, trapping they've been trying to do, kind of zoning off the weak side and, and, and bringing somebody in from the nail. He's been so influential in that and so instrumental in their defensive improvement to a point where he first started off, he was playing so aggressive. Referees were calling fouls. He's recorded three or fewer fouls in nine of his past 14 games played. So, so he's adjusting, he's learning, but he's still being as impactful as he was throughout the course of the season. So only good things to say. Um, Let's let's end with Fred Van Fleet, Jackson. Steady Freddy, man. man. Steady Freddy. Look, man, this guy, he only has seven turnovers in the past eight games while also having 68 assists. Seven turnovers, 68 assists in the last eight games. It's a microcosm of his whole season. Steady Freddy getting the Rockets into the position to be successful, you know, slowing it down. You know, he's, in my opinion, this is just a random fact that I, or fact, random observation. He is, I think, in my opinion, the best double team defender on this team. This guy will come over from the weak side. 
and just slap the ball out of the hands. He, he Even did, if it doesn't result in a turnover. He under, like, and yeah, it, it, the thing, he's also like, I think what's what people don't understand about Fred, he's strong. Fred is yeah, so man. strong. He's got strong hands. He's got quick hands. So when he goes to like make a stab at the basketball or something, when, when a player is driving huh. or if he's helping on a double team, like it's not like you're not sending over like pip squeak to go double team. Like Fred is, <laughs> Fred comes over there and he double teams hard. Like it's it like, yeah, from a defensive perspective, Fred has been incredible. From a team um, defensive perspective as well. See, yeah, I, I guess for me, you know, you know, he's shooting 33% over his last five games from three, and he, he kind of had a heat. He, he was going he, – he, he was making his threes earlier in the season to a fact that he's shooting 40% almost from three. Um, his minutes per game is 37. I mean, he's always played heavy minutes. Um He's only shooting 40% from the field, and that's a lot of has to do with sometimes driving or the mid-range shots. But the fact of the matter is, Jackson, the guy is setting up your best player on the team. The guy is setting up other teammates in transition. He's spacing where he needs to. He gets to the proper spot. If the Rockets are not filling an empty area or along the perimeter, you will go, you will see Fred go and fill that empty spot on the perimeter to maintain spacing. If you see the Rockets mess up in transition and don't pick up an assignment or don't pick up the ball, Fred will say, stay back. I am doing that assignment. He is everything you want from a veteran. He is everything you want to help your best player grow. He is giving coaching on the court. He's been a great example off the court. And to me, he's an A. He's an A minus A. I mean, I, I think him and Al P are both in that kind of A minus A category. If you're if just the way that both of them have played this season. I'll go, I'm gonna go A minus for Fred. I'm 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 careful to hand out a flat A or even an A A plus at this point because there's still areas that this team as a whole need to improve of and course. even individually yeah. for some of these guys. Um for Fred, I've been he has been better than advertised, you know, coming in. Uh his assist to turnover ratio is absolutely insane. He's currently top five in the NBA in assists per game. Uh, as you alluded to, all right, he 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 does a great job facilitating and feeding Alper and Shingun, the Rockets' best player. He also does a great job identifying the hot hand and feeding whoever that hot hand may be, whether it's a game where Jalen has it going or Jabari has it going or Dylan is feasting. He does a great job identifying and in real time making sure everybody is connected and on the same page. He's an extension of the coaching staff of Ime Udoka on the floor. I think it helps that they have a bit of the same kind of temperament at times, right? He, he may kind of that stoic, you know, whatever. And, you know, Fred has that same kind of personality about him is right where they don't mince words. They're not afraid to call you out on your BS. If, if something's not yeah. being done the proper way um, for Fred, I think that what kind of holds me back from giving him a better grade than an A, than, than the A minus, but where, you know, where I'd like to still see some improvement from his game is he knows what he's about. He knows his role. Uh, it's the it's the shot attempts that are within that are you know in and around the basket. And I know that you can't just as a player not ever attack the basket because then you become one dimensional and you become easy to game plan against. And so for Fred, he has to have those moments where he does drive in all the way, tries to collapse the defense, tries to get some shots up at the rim, or or you know collapses the defense and goes for the kickout pass. He has to have those moments to keep the defense honest. But I could live the the rest of my life, Ali Khan, without ever seeing Fred attempt a shot within ten feet of the basket. Like I'd be content if that if that never ever happened again. Um, I mean, he 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 has to, and that's kind of where I agree with you. I think the A minus is very much credible as a grade. Um, I, I I think for him, because the Rockets don't have a lot of good passing on this team, and I, I like you have passers on this team. But when I say good passer, I mean a passer who can be at the slot on the left side and maybe take a step to the right or step inside 
and make a pass to the right corner. Like you don't have many of those players on this team. And for Fred, he is a guy who is a good passer. So he has to be able to drive and do those things. And that that requires him to be able to attack. And sometimes if that's taken away based off the percentages and how the defense is zoning up that area to take away those kind of frequent passes that he likes to make or favorite passes he likes to make, he has to go up for a shot, right? So I'm okay with it. Um, I just think this puts more of an onus on a man to continue to grow, which I know we'll discuss next week, and and figuring out are there any additional ball handlers? Can they step up like Jalen um, and Aaron Holiday and others who can be able to make those passes? Can Alpi continue to grow as a passer? Because if those guys can unlock the passing from the opposite side, that will allow Fred to be a little more efficient on offense because he's not having to keep the defense honest and drive and do all those different things. I, I will say, even though the the overall like field goal percentage is a little bit uh, disappointing, it's kind of been the story for, for much of his career. The three-point shooting is where it needs to be. I'd like to see him even increase that three-point volume uh, to where he's attempting even more threes than he already is. He's up at eight mm-hmm. a game. I'd see, I'd like to, I'd love to see him north of 10 per game. But I also wonder if there's, you know, some, uh, the, the side effect of the, the increased minutes load that he's had. He, he, he's played a lot of minutes his entire career, but if you could get Fred somewhere around Around that 34 35 minute mark per game i wonder if that would you know keep his legs a little bit fresher he'd be a little bit more ready to go for you know hoisting 10 plus threes a game and then the last thing about fred is man he he just he's got that clutch factor that x factor that i'm ready for the moment whatever he'll take a big shot it doesn't matter if he's been like you know o of 10 all game going into crunch time in the fourth quarter when you need a good play when you need something drawn up, when you need a bucket, Fred is that guy. Like he has something about him, that that X factor, that clutch gene, whatever you want to call it. He's built for those moments. And we've seen him show up consistently throughout this season when the Rockets need buckets or they need a, a you know good execution late in the game. Fred has been that guy. The steady Freddie nickname is true to its word. Uh, I've been really blown away with with what he's done for this Rockets team this season. But you guys got to let us know your thoughts on all the guys we talked about today. Alperin, Shingun, Ime Odoka, and the coaching staff. Um, you know what? I'm going to chime in this one because we we included the coaching staff here at the tail end here. I need to see better from Ben Sullivan because Ben Sullivan is supposed to be the shooting guru, and this Rockets team couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. So I need I need I need a little yeah. bit more work from Ben Sullivan with some of these guys to to get their shooting to a. <laughs> A respectable level, but that's that's the one thing. I'll fair fair right comment, here. fair comment. I will say though, if you if you are somebody who likes to pay attention to nuance, Jackson, which I know you are, yeah. And, and for our listeners, pay attention. Go back and watch the first game of the season, or even preseason, for some of these guys, and watch now. You will notice tweaks in mechanics for a lot of their players, and and I think I think that's really important to point out in regards to Ben Sullivan. That stuff is changing. Stuff is happening. And hopefully the results show itself, so he gets the credit. But it's it's happening, Jackson. It's, it's not, not going to be instantaneous. It, that, was more, that was more of a joke. I have a lot of respect for Ben Sullivan. It's, it, this is just me throwing in a joke at the end of the end of the show. But the team as a whole does need to get better shooting yeah. the three ball. Fair. Um, yeah. But let us know your thoughts on the veterans, the coaching, Alper and Shingun. Let us know in the YouTube comments. Alicon, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Uh, you can see me here on Lockdown Rockets every week, and excited to talk next week. We're going to go into Jalen. Um, Cam, Amen, Jabari, and Tari. So it'll be a good conversation. I know you're excited about talking about a certain uh, few of those guys, Jason. So we good.
That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube where you can drop your grades for the Houston Rockets midseason report card. Let us know in the YouTube comments. We'll have part two coming up next week. Don't want to miss that. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>